This is Front Page. We here at Front Page, we do our best to dig out the truth and bring it to you. Hello, all you freedom-loving people. Welcome to Front Page Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Cameron Goulet. Israel's counterattacks have been victorious, but it's clear that the final goal is far from being reached. Some may wonder, did Israel go too far already? So let's hear from a Hamas insider. On Monday, Judge Chutkin barred President Trump from talking about special counsel Jack Smith, who indicted President Trump. President Trump vows to appeal the gag order in the 2020 election case. Biden's campaign wanted to add some lighthearted fun to a tense campaign. They attacked President Trump by placing posts on True Social, where President Trump's fans congregate. The election for the Speaker of the House of Representatives went to the polls today. Conservative Americans did not leave the vote entirely in the hands of legislators this time. They finally got organized in order to make their voices heard by their representatives. They managed to change the attitudes of many legislators and helped Jim Jordan tremendously. Okay, let's get into it. On Monday afternoon, Israel announced the successful assassination of the director of the Hamas General Intelligence Service in Khan Yunus. However, Israel did not immediately provide further details about the attack, including the names of senior Hamas members or the exact location of the attack. The Israeli Defense Forces have also provided evidence of precision strikes against important underground facilities in Hamas and against terrorists who were responsible for launching rockets into Israel. There are different voices in the international community regarding Israel's counterattacks. The Communist Party of China and Iran, among others, have begun to attack Israel for killing civilians. A video was published on X showing Mossab Hassan Youssef, the eldest son of one of Hamas's leaders, Hassan Youssef, publicly denouncing Hamas at the United Nations General Assembly for deceiving the international community, for exploiting the Palestinian people to create a catastrophe, and for being an unabashedly terrorist organization. He said that Hamas do not represent the Palestinian people because the people did not elect them. You will note that the content of his speech clearly shocked the delegates who were in the room. Shukran Sayyid Rais. I take the floor on behalf of the UN Watch. My name is Mus'ab Hassan Youssef. I grew up in Ramallah as a member of Hamas. I address the words to the Palestinian Authority, which claims to be the sole legitimate representative of the Palestinian people. I ask, where does your leg legitimacy come from? The Palestinian people did not elect you, and they did not appoint you to represent them. You are self-appointed. Your accountability is not to your own people. This is evidenced by your own total violation for their human rights. He went on to say that Hamas is the worst enemy of the Palestinian people. In fact, the Palestinian individual and their human development is the least of your concerns. You kidnap Palestinian students from campus and torture them in your jails. You torture your political rivals. The suffering of the Palestinian people is the outcome of your selfish political interest. You are the greatest enemy of the Palestinian people. The purpose of Hamas in provoking conflict is to maintain its power. But in a national arena, Hamas has always blamed Israel for the conflict. If Israel did not exist, you would have no one to, to blame. Take responsibility for the outcome of your own actions. You fan the flames of conflict to maintain your abusive power. 
Finally, you use this platform to mislead the international community, to mislead the Palestinian society, to believe that Israel is responsible for the problems you create. Thank you. Hassan Yosef is one of the seven founding fathers of the Hamas organization. Mosab, who is his eldest son, was raised in Islam and converted to Christianity at the age of 26. Mosab nearly lost his life when his father broke off his paternity. Mosab writes in his autobiography that he started out as a Hamas spy against Israel. While growing up, he witnessed firsthand the harsh realities of the Middle East. Starting off as a Hamas spy against Israel is what changed his mind. Actually, my goal was, uh, when I agreed to work with Israeli intelligence, is to uh, uh, be a double agent uh, to work for Hamas uh, against Israel. Um, now, when I was transferred to prison and I witnessed Hamas uh, brutality, <clears throat> excuse me, and I saw that they were killing our own people, I start to ask uh, questions about the real nature of my father's organization, which, you know, uh, led to uh, um, uh, other conclusions. Mossab is against war, and he sees Israel as passive in the Middle East conflict. He said that it is Hamas that is the provoking factor. First of all, war is not uh, a beautiful thing. And uh, if you uh, look at the bigger picture, you'll see that Israel was... Uh, forced for this type of war. Hamas dragged Israel to this war and used uh, uh, the Palestinian children and innocent civilians as a uh, shield. Um, I cannot call it uh, brutality because Israel is a democratic country. Uh, Israel is not a dictatorship and it's not an ideological uh, terrorist uh, organization. Uh, there are Muslims, there are Christians, there are Arabs, who live in the state of Israel, and all of them serve the Israeli constitution. What happened in Gaza, uh, in my uh, opinion, was uh, very sad. But uh, unfortunately, there is no beautiful uh, war. And uh, Hamas need to think uh, a thousand times next time before they launch one missile against uh, Israel. In his autobiography, he says that he understands that the enemy is not defined by nationality, religion, or skin color. We have the same enemies, greed, pride, and the bad thoughts and demonic darkness that dwells within us. On Monday, Judge Tanya Chutkin ordered certain restrictions on what President Trump can say in the 2020 election case. Judge Chutkin said that President Trump will be prohibited from posting statements attacking special counsel Jack Smith and his staff, as well as Judge Chutkin's staff and other court personnel. This will include the families of these people. President Trump is also limited about what he can say about potential witnesses. However, Chutkin emphasized that she wouldn't restrict President Trump's criticism of the government, including the Biden administration and the Department of Justice. The judge stressed that if President Trump violates the order, the court could act voluntarily and take different actions. These actions include admonishing the defendant, imposing financial sanctions, or modifying release conditions. In fact, this is a much narrower order than what the prosecutors proposed. And it is similar to a limited gag order that the New York judge recently imposed on President Trump in the civil trial. President Trump responded to the order during his speech in Iowa. 
A judge uh, gave a gag order today. Did you hear that on speech? Which I believe is totally unconstitutional what she did. A judge gave a gag order. A judge doesn't like me too much. Her whole life is not liking me. But uh, she gave a gag order. You know what a gag order is? You can't speak badly about your opponent. But this is weaponry all being done because Joe Biden is losing the election and losing very, very badly to all of us in the polls. He's losing badly. But what they don't understand is that I am willing to go to jail if that's what it takes for our country to win and become a democracy again. Thank you. Thank you very much. So true. A spokesperson for President Trump also issued a statement saying that today's decision is an absolute abomination and another partisan knife stuck in the heart of our democracy. President Trump will continue to fight for our Constitution, the American people's right to support him, and to keep our country free of the chains of weaponized and targeted law enforcement. President Trump's attorneys argued that the proposed order is not at all narrowly tailored and it violates President Trump's First Amendment rights. However, the prosecutors claim that their order wouldn't prevent President Trump from campaigning or defending himself. Prosecutor Molly Gaston said that the government has no interest in stopping President Trump's campaign, but President Trump's attorney John Lauro argue that the DOJ is trying to limit President Trump's speech, which is protected by the Constitution. In response, the judge reminded him that President Trump agreed to comply with release conditions. This means that President Trump can't do and say whatever he pleases. Lauro argued that President Trump was complying with the release conditions, but pointed out that President Trump should be able to speak freely on the issues of the day. Lauro claimed that such an order would be impossible to enforce and there are practically no limits of what could be prohibited. However, prosecutors accused Lauro of saying that President Trump was above the law. So Lauro then asked whether saying Joe Biden brought the prosecution would be prohibited. Gaston said that statement would be prohibited. This is because that comment suggests that Joe Biden directed the prosecution, which she said is false. The judge pointed out that the defendants could argue that the DOJ is part of the executive branch, but not Joe Biden. Lauro then argued that even a criminal defendant has the right to criticize the prosecution. Lauro pointed out that when Smith announced the indictment, he said President Trump was linked to the violence of the day. However, this wasn't in the indictment. And according to Lauro, Smith's claim has already influenced the jury pool. Of course, the gag order was criticized by supporters of President Trump as being from a weaponized government. Representative Troy Nels wrote on X, an Obama-appointed judge issued a gag order on President Trump. This is blatant election interference, and everyone knows it. Kerry Lake wrote, that this gag order must be immediately appealed and President Trump's First Amendment rights restored. In the meantime, I will never stop speaking on President Trump's behalf and highlighting this injustice. Stephen Miller, a senior advisor to President Trump and the founder of America First Legal, posted that it is time to move on from the primary race and to put 
all of our resources into beating Biden and his weaponized government in the general election. On October 16th, Biden's campaign made its first post on Truth Social, the conservative platform created by President Trump. It's the equivalent of taking on President Trump on his own turf. A Biden campaign official told Fox News Digital, Republicans can't even agree on a Speaker of the House, so clearly not every Republican thinks the same. The campaign's first post reads, well, let's see how this goes. Converts welcome. The Biden campaign followed up with a series of postings featuring Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and former U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Nikki Haley criticizing President Trump. The officials likened the move to the Biden campaign going deep into the lion's den and having a little fun at its own expense. Perhaps Biden doesn't understand President Trump's supporters. All they're doing with these posts is making DeSantis and Nikki Haley's approval rating even lower. House Armed Services Committee Chairman Mike Rogers announced on Monday that he would support Jim Jordan's bid for Speaker of the House when the full House was up for election. He reversed his position from last week that he would never vote for the Republican nominee for Speaker. That was a big leap forward for Jim Jordan. Rogers explained on X why he changed his mind. Rogers wrote, Jim Jordan and I have had two cordial, thoughtful, and productive conversations over the past two days. We agreed on the need for Congress to pass a strong NDAA appropriations to fund our government's vital functions and other important legislation like the Farm Bill. Rogers also wrote, as a result, I have decided to support Jim Jordan for Speaker of the House on the floor. Jordan won the convention nomination with 124 votes in Friday's closed-door party vote. In a runoff vote, when lawmakers were asked if they would support him in the House, he received 152 votes. However, 55 GOP House members said that they would not vote for Jordan in the full House. Rogers was one of the hardest-hitting legislators among those opponents. Rogers told reporters on Friday that he would vote for former Speaker Kevin McCarthy, and Rogers had reportedly been organizing members of the Armed Services and Appropriations Committee to vote against Jordan on the floor. Rogers reportedly preferred to work with Democrats to form a unity government as opposed to elevating Jordan to Speaker. Jordan was on the phone all weekend trying to convince colleagues who are skeptical of him before the full house vote. It's clear that Jordan's efforts have worked. Rogers changed his position. Rogers' endorsement did help Jordan approach the 217 vote threshold that was needed to be elected speaker. Rogers wrote, together our Republican majority will be stronger to fight Joe Biden's reckless agenda for America. There was a vote of the full House in the Speaker's election today at noon. Jordan failed to secure the Speakership on the first ballot by losing 20 Republicans. On the first round of voting, Jordan got 200 votes and Jeffries got 212. Some of Jordan's allies have signaled that they may change their vote, though. The GOP is willing to go through multiple rounds of votes to get a majority, so this may not be the end for Jordan's bid for the gavel. It's not clear if Mike Rogers' change in attitude was influenced by grassroots conservatives. The fact is that grassroots conservatives nationwide 
rallied behind Jim Jordan in order to lock up the speakership, top conservative activists canvassed the country for voters as calls poured into congressional switchboards and select offices. Activists melted phone lines with respectful pleas to GOP members of Congress to unify and to end the conference's divisions by finally electing Jim Jordan as Speaker of the House. One top House GOP aide told Breitbart News, I haven't seen anything like this in years. They are literally melting the phone lines. Some offices' numbers are permanently busy. Thousands and thousands of people are calling their members of Congress demanding Jordan for Speaker. Jordan's support from grassroots forces was not unexpected, but it was still surprising to see the masses finally participating. This organized support for Jim Jordan from national conservative leaders certainly did surprise some Beltway insiders. Throughout the day on Monday, grassroots activists made numerous phone calls urging Republican legislators to unite behind Jim Jordan as Speaker. One by one, Jordan's previous critics fell in line. Jordan himself worked hard to get through to many of them on the phone. Mike Rogers was the first to change his tune in favor of Jordan. Over the weekend and early on Monday morning, Rogers' office was flooded with calls asking him to endorse Jordan. Then Rogers retreated and endorsed Jordan for Speaker. Conservatives thanked Rogers since then. Debbie Dooley, the co-founder of the Tea Party movement, told her followers after Rogers voiced his support for Jordan to stop calling Rogers to remove him from his chairmanship. Dooley wrote on X, It is vital you call and thank him for doing the right thing. Her previous post on the platform was a call for people to call Rogers and ask him to support Jordan. She also pointed out the consequences if Rogers went against the public opinion. She posted, start your calls at 9 a.m. to Representative Mike Rogers and let him know we want him to stop making deals with Democrats and vote for the people's choice, Jim Jordan, or he will face defeat in 2024. His race will be national focus, just like Liz Cheney's was. Grassroots conservatives repeated the same tactic with other opponents of Jim Jordan with great success. Republican representatives Ken Calvert of California, Ann Wagner of Missouri, Ron Whitman of Virginia, Vern Buchanan of Florida, and others sided with Jordan. It was hard to imagine that any elected legislator would dare to go against such strong public opinion. The level of comprehensive grassroots attention to this matter is essentially unparalleled. In addition to the Tea Party, organizations such as American Mission and Women for America First were active callers. Even members of Congress got into the action. Representative Matt Gates encouraged the grassroots on Platform X to actively call members of Congress to ask them to help unite the Republican Party in support of Jim Jordan for Speaker. After all of this grassroots activity and before the vote, Brendan Buck, a former advisor to former Speaker Paul Ryan, said that the legit question now is whether Jordan gets a unanimous vote from Republicans. With Jordan as the speaker, this will be a victory for conservatives and a demonstration of grassroots power. Then all that grassroots energy supporting Jordan for speaker could galvanize conservatives and help the House Republicans realize their agenda. 
Okay, this is our podcast for today. Thank you again for listening to Front Page Podcast. For more exclusive in-depth content, please go to frontpageshow.com.